MCs and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the benches. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice. Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day. Struggle in the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic, chopping up the lotto pick, get it poppin' partner when we weaving in and out of it, it's on topic in sync, tell you what we think, let the thoughts link, let the truth sink, yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link, yeah, yeah, let the truth sink. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. All right, you ready to rock? Yeah, man. You there? You cut out. Uh, I'm here. You there? Yeah. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let me just make sure everything's set up right. All right, here we go. You hear me? Yo, yo. Yo. Can you hear me? Yep. All right, just making sure. All right, let's do it. Hang on real quick. Let's rock. One, two, and three. Welcome on into the program. You know what it is. The number two, the letter Z, S-A-N-D-O-C. On Twitter is where you can find the program. Also, you can find Lorenzo Alexander at One Man Gang 97 on Twitter. And Sean O'Connell, who's not going to be with us, is at Real OC Sports on Twitter. I'm at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports. What's going on, Zoe? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. You know, just out here being daddy, being a Hall of Fame, you know, flag football coach. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, just living a dream right now. And then oh, I'm, what? Hang on. You haven't told us about that. So you're coaching flag football? Yeah, yeah. So right now, my daughter's going to play in the winter, but right now, both my sons, one is 10, one is six. So we got a five and six year old team, and then we have a nine and 10 year old team. And so right now, I'm an assistant coach for both of those. In the winter, I'll be the head coach of one and an assistant coach again. But yeah, man, just out here trying to get these kids right, man. Get them to understand how to play football, set great foundational principles, hustling, having fun, listening, paying attention, all those little things that kids need in life that they need <laughs> to play sports. So I'm having fun. But if you know me, if you've been around me at all, and maybe some of our listeners have, I don't care if you're five or if you're a 15-year NFL vet, there's a certain standard. So I'm out here. I'm coaching hard, man, real hard. Yeah, okay, okay, so – Back up a little bit. I coached on the Pee Wee football team, and my God, Zoe, like, I don't remember it being that intent. Like, there was full-blown almost fights at games where parents would get mad about other kids not getting the proper amount of playing time or whatever, but it's much more intense than when we were kids, right? Yeah, I mean, it's intense. Where we're at, I think it's more low-key, man. You know, I'm in Paradise Valley. I'm a suburb, so it's not like it's South Phoenix or one of these other places. Like, I grew up in Oakland where you might get parents fighting and gotcha. you know, talking trash and stuff. So it's low-key, and for me, I mean, I really don't care what a parent had to say. They can complain all they want. I'm coaching. If you wanted to have your kid play all the time, you should have volunteered, became the head coach. And yeah. Put- time in and then you could have ran the team the way you want to but i make sure parents understand their place that i'm the coach you're the parent sit over there let me do my thing i have the best <laughs> interest in mind for your kid yeah and you'll see that the way i coach i mean i coach both of my kids probably harder than i coach everybody else's kids so there's no favoritism going on i have the same expectations probably higher for my yeah. than everybody else so i think most people respect that yeah, yeah, yeah okay well that actually we're gonna get into the games here in a second week six in the books but my friend sent me a video that you were in about the get back coach. And this kind of goes to what you're saying about how you hold, whether you're five or 15 years in the league, you hold people to a certain expectation. And my whole thing is the get back thing should be, you're in the clip for like, I don't know, two or three seconds. It was on YouTube or whatever. The guy sent me the link and I watched it. And it was all about how NFL teams have get back coaches. And my whole thing is in basketball, My coach never asked me to dunk from the free throw line, right? Because I couldn't. He asked me to block out because I always blocked out because you can control blocking out. The get back thing, you said you hated the get back coach, but why is it so hard just to get the bleep back? 
I don't need to get back. I'm a grown man. I know where I'm at. Get but out it's of my a penalty, way. Zoe. Not a penalty. It's a penalty if the ref runs into you and you have to be in the white. <laughs> so the okay. coaches want to have their space, but I'm normally away from the play or I'm trying to listen. Do I need to go out? Do I need to go in? I'm yeah. pretty smart players. So personnel. So if I see a fullback running on there, I'm starting to walk out because I know they're going to call base. So don't tell me to back up because you think you're trying to have some power. That's what I don't like is when coaches get empowered a little bit and then they go, your foot could be on the line. Get back. Get back. Man, chill out, bro. Chill out, man. I'm a grown man. Hey, I got this. Okay. All right. So you're saying that you would have never put yourself in a spot where you would have got a penalty. No, I'm too intelligent for that. And then when I was a younger player, I was just way out the way because I was never going to be a guy to even make it great. But as I got older, you understand the game, where you can stand. I don't need you to tell me to get back. I'm very aware. Actually, I'm probably more aware than you are as far as going on. So get out of my face. I know the head coach asked you to do it, but go find a rookie and yell at him. Don't yell at me. (laughs) All right. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, go Google Get Back Coach on YouTube. It was very funny to see McVeigh seems to be like the biggest. What did Charlie Murphy say in Dave Chappelle? A habitual line stepper. He yeah. seems to be be the biggest habitual line stepper. Like he literally needs that guy to be around him all the time. But I get what you're saying. So you're basically saying that they would push you back even when you didn't need to be pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they try, especially if the head coach is around. The head coach starts coming in their vicinity. Get back. Get back. Get back. Chill yeah. <laughs> out, bro, man. Stop putting on for the head coach, bro. We got it. We good. Ain't nobody in the way. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start with week six. I think the biggest game, there's a lot to get to, obviously, but I think the biggest game was Tampa Bay, Green Bay, just because, and I actually wanted to talk to you about this specifically because is the Buccaneers defense that much better than what everybody thought for, because last year, I I don't know how much Jameis Winston played a part in this with turning the ball over, but is the Buccaneers defense that good? Yeah, I mean, they got playmakers there. I mean, they got a can rush the passer. They got a solid linebacker. They got corners that can cover. And knowing their defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, more than anything, I'm familiar with his style of defense. I know how he coaches. I know his guys are prepared. I know he's going to attack people's weaknesses and put his guys in position to be successful. And so I think with – the marrying of those two, having good athletes, and then having Todd Bowles, who's very aggressive, uh, played in the league for a long time, and having an understanding of how he likes to call things, it's not surprising to me that they can go out there and ball and make plays because he demands it, they coach it very well, and then he's very aggressive as well. Well, how often, Zoe, you were on a very good defensive Buffalo Bills team. How often does the quarterback sort of dictate how well the defense does? Because if you have a smart quarterback that's not turning the ball over and not putting you guys in bad spots, a good quarterback can make a bad defense look better, right? Yeah, and what you're talking about is complimentary football. And so, like Jameis last year, he was turnover happy. I think he might even set the rare. I don't know. As far as his – was he like 30 and 30 or something? It was something crazy. Yeah, I think he literally had as many touchdowns as he did picks. Right. So, that tells me that their defense – a couple of things. They're on the field more often and probably having to defend shorter fields. And so, an offense normally would only have to probably get a couple of first downs and be in at least field goal range or – you know, they probably would get more drives and then score more touchdowns because their quarterback was putting the defense in a disadvantaged field position because most teams were probably starting across the 50 already in their territory yeah. score. So when you have a guy like that's giving the opponent multiple times, you're on the field longer, yes, you're not going to shine as much because not only are you not putting points up, you're also now having to go out there and defend and teams just are, you know, taking more shots, obviously able to score more points. And so it looks statistically like you're not as good, but because your offense has so many turnovers that help contribute to it. And that's why special teams, the hitting yardage, you know, punt coverage, kickoff coverage, and even the return units, there is a correlation mm-hmm. in field position where you start in association with getting field goals and touchdowns. Yeah. I just looked at that game and it's not that I was shocked that the Buccaneers won. And I did know a little bit last year that the Buccaneers defense was good. And obviously you have Tom Brady. I was shocked to see the Packers look that bad on offense coming off of being 4-0 walking into that. And Rodgers talked about this is what we needed. A little kick in the butt, not hearing all the good stuff in terms of it being 38 to 10. And especially starting off with the Packers 10 and 0. I don't know if you saw Rodgers doing the Key and Peel football celebration. Right, yeah. I mean, well, you know, 
10-0 early in the game, but then he threw two pick sixes, I mean, at some point. But if you watch the game, this is probably the most I've seen Aaron get pressured, get hit. And, that I mean, that affects you. I don't care if you're Tom Brady or, you know, Joe Montana, whoever your favorite GOAT of all time is. If you're getting pressure, if you're getting hit, you become more human-like. Um, Aaron also in that game missed a couple of throws as far as just connecting, you know, whether or not who was right or wrong doesn't really matter. But they just wasn't on. They weren't in sync. He was getting pressured, throwing a couple of pick sixes and not really anything to get any rhythm going. It's really hard to overcome that when you look on the other side and Tom and, and Gronk and Goodwin and, and those boys was playing really well. They ran the ball really well. And so when it rained, it poured. And also when you look around the league, there was a lot of 4-0 teams, 5-0 teams that ended up losing for the first yep. time you know, over the last couple of weeks. And it happens. You know, It's not too many teams. You're not going to see the Miami, 72 Miami Dolphins. You're not going to see the two, what was that, 2000 Patriot, one of the teams that was going, you know, 16 0, 19 0, and yeah. lost. It's too hard to do that. I mean, yeah. the City Chiefs last year, I think, lost two or three games in a row last year. There's so much parity in the league that you're going to, at some point, no matter how good you are, how great, how awesome your quarterback is, you're going to run into some adversity. The great teams are able to overcome that, adjust, and then be better next week and improve and don't allow it to happen from it, or at least learn from that experience. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I think it was the most jarring – well, actually, that's not true because the most jarring result for me, and I guess we'll transition to that. I was going to get to the Cowboys because I want to talk to you about some offensive line stuff that I think you'd probably know from a defensive line perspective. But let's go to the Patriots because that was a game that, I mean, outside of – it wasn't that I was shocked – that the Bucks beat the Packers. It was by how much they beat him. But I was shocked just in general that the Broncos go into New England and win 18 to 12. Is this, and I'm guessing this is part of like a preparation issue that you would have, but is this like a COVID thing? The reason why the Patriots lost? I would I mean, blame it to on the Broncos. That. I would blame it on that because the quarterback play wasn't great. I don't think Cam is the type of quarterback who can still be successful without having reps. And so because he needs a rep and he couldn't because for obvious reasons being in the COVID protocols, yeah, he just wasn't sharp. It was, yeah. you know, it was like you know going out there for the first time after missing so many days and he just wasn't sharp. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the defense of the Patriots, I mean, they made Denver kick six field goals. Yep. I mean, that's actually playing some really good defense when your offense is not giving you anything. And so if you think you can hold a team to, you know, six field goals, most of the time you think you're going to win that game. But they didn't have any offense, you know, as far as the Patriots. And I think a lot of that's contributed to Cam not being out there, being as sharp as he normally is and being able to compete. I mean, because this is the same Cam Newton that we saw lose to the Seattle Seahawks by a yard, you know, and so. What's the difference between that version of Cam that we've been seeing, running the ball, being pretty efficient, putting his team in a place to mm-hmm. win? COVID and not being able to play games and so yeah. or being able to practice. So, you know, I, I don't expect this to be a trend. Somebody was talking about, you know, is Miami going to be fighting second place in that division? I said, no, nah, I ain't counting the Patriots out in Bill Belichick until, <laughs> until week 17. Yeah. Well, I yeah. know for sure they're out of it. You know? <laughs> they're going to yeah. get back to work, and they're going to be much better next week. That was a result that I couldn't help but think. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me. I can't relate. You know, I mean, we joke about me and my, uh, you know. It's good, man. No, well, you know, I'm you sound, I, like, uh, you sound a lot more humble now, so I'm not gonna give you no, uh, no, learning. Just a little uh, humility. That's all I need. A little humility. All right. So <laughs> I'm gonna say that I cannot relate to any of it, but I'm just saying that I couldn't imagine that my preparation would be any different. Like if I'm going out, I'm going out to kill, you know. And I feel like you would do the same, but there has to be something that goes into that, whether it's the film room or preparing for the game plan or whatever it is, if all that's thrown off kilter, I can only imagine that that was why the Broncos were able to go in there and win. Yeah, I mean, because not practicing, and obviously you look at the Titans, they didn't practice and they went out and beat the Bills, but I think they're a much better football team than the Patriots are, just the pieces they have, the defense collectively where they're at right now. And obviously Derrick Henry is a monster and they just got some good pieces, but certain have to practice. I was a guy that always felt like I needed to practice. And sometimes, even when I got to the place to where I would miss certain days, I would still make sure I went out there and hit some bags, had maybe a guy. Got reps step, or something. Yeah. Mental reps. Yeah. Worked on my fundamentals because that's what you miss out on, the fundamentals. Having good eyes, eye discipline. 
it's amazing. And I guess it's the easiest way to explain it. People that work out, if you ever got into a workout routine, you know, New Year's resolution, you work out hard for four weeks, you start feeling mm-hmm. yourself and mm-hmm. then you, you go take a break, take a week off. And you say, oh, you know what? Let me get back in the gym. You're like, man, that next week, you're like, man, what did I do? I only missed a week. It's that same thing when you're talking about missing practice for certain guys. You're out there getting a good rhythm. You miss several days of practice, not getting out there sharpening your skills. And when you step back out on the field, you feel good. You feel fresh. But things aren't as clear as they once were. You may be a little second a hesitation as far as being decisive. And that's all it takes to lose a rep because guys are so quick, can make things up, gaps close a lot quicker. And if you just hesitate just a split hair second than what you're normally doing, it's an incomplete pass. Uh, it's a tackle for loss. Uh, you know, The uh, error of margin, is that, is, yes, is that slim? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, I can misplace my hands just a little bit, and I can have a tight end blow me off the ball. But if my hands are in the right place, I can maybe be a little high, and I'm still – I got good hands. I'm still yeah. able to get off. So it yeah. is – it is a game of inches. It's literally, that's not like a cliche. That's like for real practical facts. When you watch film, like, man, if I had my feet or my hands, or if I'd have thrown that ball, my eyes would have transferred, you know, that much quicker, I would have made the play. And did that get higher, though, as you went up, like from high school to college to pro? Did that slim margin become smaller as yeah, you went up? Because the athleticism of the guys increased, there was more parity. You know, you can get away with a lot of things. Like, my son is out here flag football running around some of these kids, and it's just crazy. But some of the, those are things that as he gets older, you no longer can just use your speed and run around the edge because everybody's yeah. fast. So then you have to learn yeah. how to stem guys, get them to set their feet, and then beat them with speed. You know, so those type of little things that I think guys learn along the way, it definitely decreases your margin of error because of that parity of athleticism, because everybody's fast, everybody's strong. And so what's the difference? It's my technique. It's my fundamentals. It's my mental preparation. It's my ability to be resilient throughout a game. It's my ability to fight through pain and fight through adversity. All those intangibles that we always talk about, that is what separates being average and being really good, and, you know, regardless of talent, unless you're just uber-talented off the charts, which yeah. those guys are few and far between. But the average of the league you got to have those intangibles if you want to have some longevity in this league and not just be a flash in the pan. And you're saying that those small things are things that you do with preparation. Like when you're saying, even if I was banged up or whatever, you're saying that that stuff factored into it. It did. I mean, because I, I know for myself, I know if I didn't go out there, I would bad feet, bad hands, bad eyes. And so I always made a point to get with a coach prior to practice, at least to simulate it, even though I wasn't going to have the contact, at least yep. simulate my steps. My eyes transfer, put my hands in the right place. And so with COVID now, though, it's not like being injured. It's not like not practicing. Like you can just go in and talk to guys and, hey, coach, come on, let's go do this real quick. Everything is so regimented. So it's not like you can even do anything of those things. And now, like the Tennessee Titans tried to do, go to a high school. It's not like Cam can call up the guys like, hey, let's meet over at the park so I can, you know, run these routes with you guys. Yeah. Because it's, you can get fined if you get caught and yeah. possibly spread the virus yeah. and, and miss out on the game check. So you kind of have to just deal with whatever hand you dealt with when it comes to the COVID protocols. Well, you touched on the Titans and we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about Bill O'Brien a couple of weeks ago and, how you go from being up 24 nothing to all of a sudden losing both your GM job and your coaching job. And that game, I could talk to you about how Derrick Henry is the only player other than LaDainian Tomlinson, Barry Sanders, and Jim Brown with three games of 200 yards rushing and two touchdowns. I could talk about how his top speed was higher than Lamar Jackson, which you would probably not normally think of a guy about that size. But I want to talk to you more about what the hell was Romeo Cannell doing? I mean, I guess he was justified in <laughs> well, in his decision because the Titans did go down and score and then scored again in OT. But when you're put at, you know, you have a 98.3% percentage of winning or whatever the hell it was, what are you doing on the sideline as a defensive guy if a guy's going for two when he can put the game into being up eight. 
to me, it shows you don't have confidence in the defense because to score and then which was proven though, right, Zoe? I mean, that was proven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but still, at the same time, you still saying that you don't trust me, regardless of what have I showed prior to that. It's crunch time, but I don't know. Even from a coach's perspective, it's much harder to score a touchdown and then try to get a two point conversion because the field is just more condensed, and maybe they run it in anyway. But I'd rather them have to do that than score and then kick a field goal, which is probably a higher percentage of them making that and getting that and tying it up, which they were able to do. Hey, I don't trust these guys. I'm going to go for the win. I'm going to say I'm trying to be aggressive. But it's really I'm more disappointed in the way my defense played today than how happy I think my office can get this two-point conversion. And so I think that's what it was. But, you know, as a coach, you're going to frame it. Hey, I was going for the win. You know, I wanted to get that nine points and just knock them out. That's how you're going to say it. But in his mind, his defense, his or lack of defense, probably pushed him in that direction more so than anything. And when you're in the heat of the moment, I mean, I can never. It's always easy to talk about what I would do after the fact. But when you're in the moment, you you go for what you think is right, and you have to live with it. Well, how many times did a coach make a decision that you were pissed off about on the sideline? <sighs> I mean, not too many. I mean, there's not a ton out there. We've done. Yeah. Made some stupid things. I remember one time uh, when I was in Washington, we had come up with like this fake field goal shift, and it's like a blooper <laughs> moment now. And so we ran out there and actually performed and did it. They called timeout, and the coach decided, let's run it again. We like, why? They <laughs> So what happens? We go out there running, and I'm pretty sure just because a guy's mindset, we run, run the fake, and what do they do? Pick it off. Yeah. Run it back for a touchdown. I mean, so that's one time. And then also, another, I'll play special teams. I like to be aggressive, especially when you're down, try to make something happen. This is when I was, you know, more of a special teams ace. And I was, I think I might have been in Arizona at this time. And I got into it with a coach on the sideline. I was like, man, you're just playing so soft right now. We need to be more aggressive. Stop playing this soft BS, you know, and I'm going off on my rant just because he was being too passive for me. And I don't and I understand yeah. their situational football and but he was playing from a place of fear of not wanting to get something messed up versus mm-hmm. hey, let's uh, let us apply the pressure and make them mess up. Yeah. Well, that leads me to the Colts game because well, the game doesn't really matter much. Colts go to four and two, which is shocking because I don't think that Phillip Rivers has been playing great football. But after the game, he talked about how he read all of the reports after the game before. And I just want to know, because you do media and you did sports before or whatever. I've just been in the media side of it. But, like, how often do people read this stuff? Because he said he read everything and how bad he was. And then he said he's not going to read it this week because they're just going to be giving him praise and he thinks that he's the same guy that he was before. But how often do guys actually listen to the radio or read the newspaper or do whatever? Yeah, I think it depends on who you are and how much you can tolerate. Some guys just don't have the stomach for it or the middle space for it, and it just messes them all up. I always used to, I mean, because I was in the media and I listened to guys, whether it's sports talk or more so than anything, just because I like to see how people do their craft because it was something that I thought about obviously pursuing once I was done more heavily and so like you would watch film of other people I like to listen to sports talk radio gotcha yeah you'll hear the criticisms of you on social media I'll hear the criticisms of myself and if if it was valid and said with some knowledge I get it but you know I'm a guy you know I'm a I'm gonna call you out so I've I've had a couple of times where I've either had to call (laughs) into the radio station no or I'm you did not you did yeah, I'm calling cats out because you're not going to – I think people that are in the media, and I know why they do it, but they talk recklessly. Think like, they know the game and they don't. Like, yeah. What, yeah, yeah, like make it a play is just so easy. Oh, how could he not make that play? Or yeah. Yeah. they think they know defense or schemes. Oh, he should have boxed that. He should have spilled that play. Oh, he should have been – you don't even know what the call is. How are you going to judge me? <laughs> and you don't yeah. even know what the call is. You don't know what my coach is telling me. So I've done it a couple of times, especially on social media. It's a lot easier. And then yeah. that's, get you know, oh, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. You a baller. You, you know, I, I really love you. I really respect you. But, you know, you get people backtracking. And the same thing with me. When you call guys out, especially like reporters, and I think reporters started respecting me for it because I never did it in like a malicious way. But I'm like. Only did it when you thought it was applicable. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, I, and it, it, like me going ranting just random yeah. stuff. 
But I'm like, how yeah. can you judge me or give me a grade, especially when guys used to do more of the grading? How can you give me a grade and you don't realistically know what I'm doing? Know what the play call was. Right. Yeah. How, how yeah. can you do that? Tell me yeah. how you do that. And so I've actually formed good relationships with some of the reporters or beat reporters especially. Because then oh, they so would they actually respected you for that. Yeah, because then they would come to me and say, hey, Zo, so what was the call or, you know, what were you thinking or yeah. what are you guys being taught on? And it, and it could be just like a random play that may have happened or something different. But at least they know, hey, before I put out something, I better at least have some real substance here. And I'm not just giving my opinion based on my middle school football knowledge. I actually I had that in a rare moment of being vulnerable I will say that my hockey knowledge is not very good. Like, I know I watch playoff hockey, but, like, I can't really break down hockey. But I can – hoop is, like, my main sport. Like, I can see what Harrison Barnes and Stephen Curry or, you know, whatever. I can watch what they're doing, and I can break it down, and I can analyze it. And I can do the same thing with baseball and football. But hockey, I really didn't know. And one time I got called out. He just called me. He's like, look, man, what you're saying – you don't actually know what you're saying. And I had to admit it. And I did it on air because I'll be honest with anybody that I'm talking to. I didn't know it. Like, I didn't know what, you know, the Ford was doing or passing or doing. I mean, I just don't know hockey. And so I can understand that. But that's cool that they were cool enough to be cool with you after that. Like, I would think that they would be more prideful and trying to pretend like they knew it even when they didn't. But that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about delivery. It's not like I called him out in front of the whole locker room and screamed at him like, hey, hey, yeah. what you doing about right now? You know that's right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I did that, of course they wouldn't have came at me with respect. But it's more like, hey, when they're interviewing me or, hey, Zo, can I get a talk? I'd be like, hey, man, what about, you know, why? <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. like that is make it real calm and collective. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the, the Steelers and the Browns. I want to ask you about uh, Baker Mayfield. We had this conversation about Derek Carr. Raiders were obviously on a bye this week, and I've been saying for a long time that I think Carr looks really good when things go good around him, and I think it's kind of the same for Baker Mayfield, but they're 4-2, and two, so it's not like they have a terrible record. It's not like they're awful like they've been for a long time, but the two losses have been against the Ravens and the Steelers, and they've been outscored by a ton. When you watch him play, do you think he's just kind of like a middle-of-the-road guy that's not necessarily going to be able to, I don't know, take them to another level? Because I feel like they could be 9-7 and seven or 8-8 eight and eight or whatever. Right. But, I mean... That's probably I, where he is right now, maybe, in his yeah. aspiration process. I mean, as far as him, just in a vacuum. Obviously, he has some great players around him that help elevate that team when you think about their run game and the weapons they have on the outside. Yeah. Chubb being gone is part of it, too, right? Right. Yeah, but right. I don't think when you look at him, at least, you know, last year, I haven't really studied him that much this year. He wasn't a guy that you necessarily feared. It was like, okay, you got to really watch out. You got a game plan around what he likes to do. Yeah. Um, obviously, he, he has talent, and because of the pieces around him, he's been able to make some plays. I just don't know yet. It's still early for me to make a prediction on whether or not he's going to be great because he's just kind of, like you said, like right there in the middle. He could go either way. He could become a perennial backup you know, in the next couple of years, or Mm -hmm. he maybe elevate himself to where he is now a guy that you think about every single year. But right now he's probably the Andy Dalton track. If I had to put him somewhere, he'll get to the playoffs, but I don't know if he's ever going to be as of right now, that dude where it's like, Oh man, we got to really have our eyes dotted and T's crossed this week because he can pick us apart if we're off a little bit. So you're thinking like more middle ground. Yeah. I mean, middle tier, you know, he's not elite. And he's probably at the bottom of the second tier of guys that are starting to climb the ladder. And then when it comes to the Steelers, obviously Big Ben coming back is a huge boost to their offense. But, I mean, that defense, we talked about this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. We talked about how they went 8-8 and last year with nobody playing quarterback. And now they have Big Ben. Are they the favorite in the AFC? Yeah, the way they play and the way they look. I would say this. I mean, their culture there, I mean, they're like, it's a couple of teams. You know, you think about the Green Bays, you think about the New Englands and the Steelers. It's just as far as how they, the organizational structure that they've created, the environment and culture, and especially there in Pittsburgh around their defense, it's just extraordinary what they're able to do. 
year in and year out. And a lot of that has to do credit with Mike T, who I absolutely love, wish I had a chance to play for and just have a lot of respect for what he's been able to do. And because of that structure and that continuity that they've had, they're always at the top. They're always in the hunt. They're always competing for the division and being one of the elite teams in the AFC. And so right now, yeah, I mean, as far as collectively, if you look at both sides of the ball and how they're playing, I would say that they probably should be number one in the AFC, if not the league, if you look at collectively. Because most of these teams, when we look at them, the offense is really strong, but the defense is a little suspect. They can't stop the run. They can't get after the quarterback or whatever. This team seems to be very well-rounded and obviously be able to put up points, but then also having a strong defense. You know, unlike maybe like a Kansas City who... I don't know if their defense is that good. I think it's more of their offense just dominating and controlling the ball and putting people in, making them one-dimensional when it comes to just having to pass the ball. And so we'll see how it continues to go and develop. But for me, I wasn't quite sure about Pittsburgh. Now I'm very sure about Pittsburgh, and they're definitely going to be, I think, the front runners, especially after you look at these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I just wonder. I feel like they're so good already that if Big Ben is anything of a semblance of the two times that he won a Super Bowl, then I think that, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't pick a team that I would like more. I mean, I suppose maybe the Chiefs, and we'll get to them in a minute just because of Patrick Mahomes, but they just seem to be. You talked about the culture with Pittsburgh and you talked about the culture with New England, but New England doesn't have the talent. I mean, that I, I don't know if that's why Tom Brady left, but I certainly always looked at New England and said, you got no pieces around them at all. And Pittsburgh have guys emerging. And I just think that if they can supplement what they did before and then they're adding Big Ben, what was a ridiculously bad quarterback room, last year, then they're going to be in good shape. But let's move on because I want to talk about the uh, Cowboys and the Cardinals. <laughs> and I want to ask you, okay, obviously everybody's making fun of the Cowboys, blah, 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 blah. I'm, somehow, somehow, Zoe, they're in first place at 2-4 and four after losing 38-10. to 10. They're in first place. But the offensive line stuff, so I know you played D-line for the most of your career. How is the offensive line that bad? Is it just injuries? Is it scheme? Yeah, is I it, mean, what is it? Well, you, you think about the Cowboys and, and how... Uh, Hang on, Zoe. Do you remember like two years ago, they were talked about as being yeah, the, the best, best offensive <laughs> line ever? Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, they were the best. And so yeah. tell me how many of those guys are left that are... Gone. They're all gone. That are actually on that line right now. None. The last one just got hurt. He got hurt last night in the game, had a concussion. Yeah. Right? So when you think about that, that amount of turnover, that amount of, uh, I guess, lack of continuity now that they have, of course, because Zeke is not balling the way he is. I mean, obviously, he's a product of that offensive line being great. Uh, He's a great uh, athlete himself, but his numbers and a lot of people's numbers are based off of that. Well, the fumbling is totally yeah. different. Yeah. But because that offensive line's production has has dropped in the continuity, Zeke's numbers have dropped. Obviously, Dak was able to find ways to make things happen because of the weapons that he has outside, being able to throw, not have to wait. He's, a, he's way more mobile than Andy Dalton. He's able to extend things and make things work and put up a lot of numbers. But if you look, that offensive line last night was just atrocious. Let free runners go in, not picking up things, not picking up blitzes. And it really, really made the Arizona Cardinals defense look like a, uh, you know, a top three defense in the league, just the way they was flying around, yeah. causing havoc, fumbles, and they actually. Dropped. Are you watching that, Zoe? Was that more of the offensive line being terrible, or the Cardinals' defense of line being better than you think? No, some of it was blitzing, and it's not like, and it was letting free runners go. So a lot of it, they were even sliding. Like for example, on Buda Baker's sack. He blitzed off the line of scrimmage. The yep. center actually had – I can't hear the line calls, but based on what the center did, the center slid towards where Buddha was coming. The guard to Buddha Baker's side stayed down, and they essentially double-teamed the nose tackle, the three technique, yep. uh, and let Buddha run free, where traditionally the center would have took the, the D lineman, the guard would have picked up Buddha. And so because they're not either communicating well or that guard's – Film study wasn't up to par, having good eyes, being able to feel a guy coming, then it's more on the offensive line like a mistake you, or, back, or backs weren't coming across and picking up guys that they need to pick up. So there's just things like that within the game that you're like. But, Zoe, can you audible out of that? 
can you audible the line to be able to take up those gaps? So like on that one I'm talking about, they actually slid the center, went to the side that Buda Baker blitzed. And so they essentially let Buda Baker go and double teamed the defense alignment. Got it. They should have been passing it off. The center should have took the defense alignment and the guard should have blocked Buda Baker. And so that comes with just film study, obviously talking, understanding schematically when you have a center coming to you, you can now help and give eyes to see if somebody's coming. If somebody doesn't come, then you double-team the nose tackle. And so I think things of that nature, because there is a significant drop, because I played some of these guys that were on the Dallas offensive line, and from the starters to some of their backups, Mm -hmm. there's a significant drop-off. They're not even in the same air as a lot of their starters, and rightfully so because, as we said, they had probably the best offensive line in the league and had a pro bowler essentially at every single spot. There's a couple more games that I want to get to, but I want to stick here just for a second. Is that just known in general that the person that's one versus two is that much of a drop-off? Like, in general, if you're going up against a squad and the offensive whatever, the right tackle is out and the one behind him, like, is it just known that it's that much of a drop-off? I just, I can't believe that it's that much of a drop-off. Yeah, yeah, normally there is, especially when you're talking about, again, we're talking about a team that had essentially five pro bowlers at every single spot, you know what I mean? Left tackle, right tackle, guard, center, everybody was legit. Yeah. All of them might even been first-rounders. And so just traditionally in the league, you have your starting 11, and then you have backup players. And then there's a drop-off. I think some positions is easier to see. If it wasn't that big of a drop-off, you probably would be a starter somewhere else. Or, you know, you just haven't gotten your, the opportunity yet. But there's normally one guy, maybe two guys, on most offensive lines that can come in, and you're not going to see a huge drop-off. And that's why you normally have a swing guy that can do both guard. Guard and tackle. And, and, yeah. and then you have maybe even another guy that can play left tackle, right tackle. But you start getting in the lineman number eight and nine, you're going to have some serious issues, especially when you have some one-on-ones. and going. Yeah, but so you were a backup, and you wouldn't tell me there'd be a huge drop-off. I didn't say it was with everybody. I just said, didn't you hear me? I said there was five guys, then that next guy in line, six is pretty good. He can play both sides, which yeah. I do, but I wasn't as good as the starter, but I was versatile enough to go – from left to right, a lot of like guys that I play behind. If, you, if let's say there was a right outside linebacker, if you move to the other side, they wasn't as good. So gotcha. my strength was in versatility. So you could take, I could do special teams, linebacker, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, rush inside. There's not too many guys, even with some of the all pros that I played with, that could do what I did. But I couldn't necessarily line up and do what they did every single play either. So my strength was just different. I was more versatile, where they were more niche driven. So uh, okay. everybody has your strength. So don't ever come at me like that again, all right? <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just yeah, said like if I was – hey, <laughs> Zoe so, doesn't have one. So, but I was so. a backup, and then I got – then I went free agency and became a starter. Everybody, That's what I'm every saying. Every backup doesn't get that. Okay, I became so, a starter. <laughs> so what I'm saying, nobody respects you more than me, Zo. Right. What so, I'm so, telling you is right. when you were a backup, you would not be saying there was a big discrepancy between the starter and the backup because you would have been the backup. About, you're talking about, you know. <laughs> Raider days. I'm the, I'm the exception <laughs> to the rule. There's exceptions to the rule. Okay. But if you went and looked at some of these guys that backed up, doesn't mean yeah. they're not good football players. Doesn't mean yeah. they have value as far as being special teams or being a uh, role player where you get some time. Because some guys can't handle the exposure for 60 plays. They can come in for a handful of five, maybe five to eight plays, look good, do their job, yeah. get out of there, do well on special teams. But if You're you put saying them out you went there more spots, yeah. For 60 plays, they will get exposed over How time. How much can they do? Yeah. I got you. All right, three more games here. We're going to do this rapid fire. Let's do Niners-Rams. I walked away from that game kind of wondering. I, I feel like the Niners are going to be in a bad spot. Three and three, their division, as you've talked about, with all the teams that are in there, they're behind. So I just wonder. I mean, Garoppolo had a bounce-back game. They're getting more healthy. I mean, they're not going to get back Bosa or other players that they've lost. But what did you make of that win, 24-16 to at home? I mean, I think they still got majority of their division games in front of them. I think they've only played the Rams once and the Cardinals once. I don't know if they played Seattle, have they? They haven't. Nope. They haven't. If they continue to play like they played against the Rams with that swag and that attitude and that physicality, 
they gonna be right there in the mix. You still like them? Did you see how they were playing? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it was a bounce back game that they had to have to go to two and three to three and three. They have to win the division to get in. I mean, that, that's true. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, with the additional playoff spot, I mean, they're in a nice spot if they play as physical and as sound as they did across the board and can stay healthy. And that's the big if you know, they're yeah. starting to get the. They are a solid team now. Whether or not they're gonna make a run like they did last year. Obviously, they're missing some pivotal pieces, as you mentioned with Bosa. It's going to be hard. And now, Richard Sherman's not back. There's some guys that are still missing that they're hopefully probably going to get back here soon, too. So they're going to be, I think they're going to make noise just because they had that swag about them. If they can come out and play like that, I mean, they could beat the Cardinals. They could beat Seattle by the way they played against the Rams Sunday night. Yeah, I just feel like they're in a bad spot where I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I think that they can make some noise, do some things, maybe finish you know, nine and seven, 10 and six, whatever, get in. But I feel like they're in the bad spot of they've just lost too many pieces to actually win a Super Bowl or make a Super Bowl run or make noise in the playoffs or whatever. And they're going to win like too many games to get themselves a better draft. By the way, I yeah. lost that. Di- yeah. I lost that's that damn poll, that's by the way. That's what a fan does, right? You are a straight yeah. fan. Uh, they're in a bad spot because they're going to go to the playoffs, but they're not going to really win the Super Bowl, but then they're not going to get a draft pick. Man, you play to win the game, man. Isn't that what the coaches say? Play yeah. to win the game. You go as far as you can. You worry about all the other stuff later. I lost that uh, damn poll, by the way. Of course you're going to lose it. It makes no sense. It, it was close. It was 55-45, but I lost the poll. Is it okay to root against your team to get a better draft pick? Anyways, I lost that. You were right. I was wrong. See, I can admit that. Unlike you, I can admit that. Right. I'll never admit what's wrong. <laughs> you're right. Especially not to you. Uh, all right. Before we get to the last game, Chiefs-Bills. I didn't want to rub this in your face. Bills 4-2. and two. I feel like this was just an example I didn't walk away from this game watching every snap. I didn't feel any differently about Josh Allen. I didn't feel any. I mean, the Bills defense disappointed me a little bit. Basically, what they were doing was not letting Patrick Mahomes throw the ball. And so they just ran all over him. But I walked away from it more just back to what I've been saying for weeks now, which is just Patrick Mahomes is just tooling with the league. I guess. I mean, it was more about that young running back over there going for, I mean, or really they whole game. Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, yeah. They, like 250? Yeah. On the ground, they had something nasty on the ground. I mean, you just not, you're not going to win a game when somebody's running 250 on you. So, And so you played for the Bills last year. What did you walk away watching that? Uh-oh. So I think it's similar to what happened to the Chiefs versus the Raiders, but they did, it wasn't as bad what the Chiefs did. And I say because I think this defense has not played up to its capabilities for various reasons. There's a lot of new moving parts. Guys been hurt, but that's no excuse. Some things that they need to do, they're just it's a lack of execution. So hopefully they figure that out. But because the offense has tapered off in these last two games, it's kind of exposed some of the flaws of the defense more because now they're out there more. They're playing more reps. Um, and so right now this Bills team is really – depending on complimentary football with Josh Allen and that offense leading the way. And because they've mm-hmm. come off with some slow starts, mm-hmm. they just haven't been able to find that rhythm. Because some of these balls that he's thrown or some of the balls that guys are dropping, they were connecting on early, at least the first four games of the season. So they have to figure out how to work their way out of this funk. Obviously dropping two games in a row the way they did is something that they probably didn't even think was possible. And so they have to continue to work, which I do know they will go back to their foundation, get back to the basics, and hopefully be able to get some rhythm. And, and that's what they really miss is some rhythm on offense and then just sound football on defense. Just being where you need to be. Stay in your gap, make the play, tackle guys, get off the field. Because even as bad as they played, they still had a chance. The defense still had a chance yeah, yeah, yeah. to get the ball back to yep. the offense to possibly go down there and win the game. Yeah. So it's just so disheartening because they're so close but so far away as far as taking that next step. But they have to do the little things right. You have to execute. You have to be where you have to be because in this league, as you said, you know, you're playing against a team with the, the talent that the Chiefs have. You, you can't make too many mistakes. You're going to lose those games. Yeah, well, 26 carries for a buck 61 for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's never going to be some sort of formula that you're going to win. But when you walked away from watching that game, did it not just seem like Patrick Mahomes is the best thing going and that, like, I don't yeah. care – 
let's be real. I mean, Patrick okay. didn't have I, – I, what did he have in that game? I know you're looking at the stats because he didn't look – he didn't feel like he dominated the game. He no, made, no, no, no. He didn't at all. Yeah, but he made but, some great plays. But so, okay, he was 21 of 26 for 225 yards and two touchdowns. See, that's not but, a, I can but live the with whole that. Bills game plan was to take away the passing. Yes. So they let them run. The game, if you rewatch the game, you can play the pass and stop the run. So some of those big runs, because I, you know, I have a little bit more knowledge of what the Bills are doing. When, so when mm-hmm. I go back, and it, I haven't rewatched the game completely, but when I'm watching the game and they show a replay of a big run, I'm like, oh, that guy was out of his gap, or oh, that guy didn't get to his gap. So it had nothing to do with not like having maybe even a- though there was stuff in the box, you were seeing stuff where they could have stopped the run. Yes, and it's, okay. it's about guys okay. having better eyes. It was guys not filling their gap or alignment getting two-headed, which is, let's say you start in the B-gap, and the guard tries to reach you, tries to get your outside shoulder, and now you're in, and the center is coming, and you end up some way behind the center. And so now you're out of your gap. And so now a linebacker has to make up for that, and in this league it's hard to do that, and they're hitting creases. Or a linebacker thinking he saw something and falling into somebody else's gap. Now you have two guys in the same, and you get a 30-yard touchdown. So there's things like that where it's not even – what the Chiefs are doing is what the defense is doing and how guys are not doing their job at the rate that they're accustomed to doing it. So okay. it's more about that. And that's nine times out of ten, when you see a big play or a big run, I don't care what game it is, bills or no bills, that is what it is, a guy not executing their technique. The fundamentals that I talked about is not scheme, it's not ability, it's guys not being where they should be from a doing middle your job, doing your job. Yeah. And that's well, what I'd like to play. I'd like to watch a game with you where you show me when teams are scheming for not allowing the pass but also can stop the run because I hear what you're saying and you probably know this way more technically than I do yeah. but I have a hard time seeing guys even if they're doing their job perfectly being able to stop the run while also I'll give you a great example of it. Okay. Even, I, I think okay. uh, uh, who was it? Was it 31? I forgot who touched it, but it was like four, the fourth and one play. They actually call a run-stopping defense. They weren't trying to play the pass, but a, a player makes a wrong step, goes the wrong direction, is in, and then you have two players in one gap, and the dude hits his head on the goalpost. They weren't playing the pass on that. They <laughs> called an eight-man box. It was I got solo. You. Everybody, I got you. Everybody had a gap. If everybody would have been where they needed to be, he might have got the first down, but he wouldn't have hit his head on the goalpost. Yeah, I got you. All right, I, 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 hey, look, I defer to you. I mean, this is why I love talking to you. I defer to you. But I want to end the, the program on not X's and O's, just a sentimental moment. It's not just because it's my Dolphins. But Tua Tonga-Valoa comes in. He goes two for two, nine yards. And there's a picture of him FaceTiming his parents because his parents went to every game and a lot of people tried to throw shade on it saying that, you know, he was doing this to build his brand or to, really? oh, yeah, a lot of people. I mean, I, he got. Not if you know the Polynesian culture, man. F- family is everything. Exactly. It's and I. Are. Yeah. And I, I have one tattoo, just one tattoo. So I'm not a tattoo guy, but I got a tattoo of my dad when he passed. And I put my mom on it as well. And it's on my chest. It's the only tattoo I have, but it's because of how important. And I know you're a man of God and a family man. And when I saw that, it just, I don't know. It touched me because it's something that I would do. And I wouldn't be doing it for the cameras. I wouldn't be doing it for Instagram. I wouldn't be doing it for Twitter or whatever. I'd be doing it because I'm sure that he was hurt. That for probably the first time that he can remember his parents were not at his game because of you know covid or whatever and so he took the spot where he ended his drive and he facetimed his parents and i just thought it was so cool i don't care about the 24 to nothing result we talked about how bad the jets are but i thought that was a cool moment yeah most definitely i mean if you understand anything about that culture anyway i mean family's essential it's so important i mean we had a group of kids this weekend had some polynesian folks out there i mean they brought a crew to watch a five and six year old play football. I mean, like, my God. They were like 10 deep. You're only supposed to have one parent out here, but they don't care. That's just how they roll. Family's essential, it's, it feeds their soul. And so, because of COVID, I know that's hurt him in a lot of ways as far as not having his family there because they probably yeah. were showing up to the games even with him sitting on the bench. That's just how tight knit 
that culture is. And so for anybody to kind of throw shade at him trying to build his brand and, and hopefully I hope something does positive come out of him building his brand by genuinely wanting to talk to his people at a game that they couldn't attend where he got his first opportunity to take some real snaps because yeah. that's positive stuff that you want to talk about building a brand around your family. But that wasn't in his mind. It was about connecting with his people because they couldn't be there. And to be able to at least share some sort of memory together was at the probably the center of all of that, what he was trying to accomplish, you know, going out by himself, chilling on the field, talking to his people. Yeah. It it just, it touched me. I lost my dad 10 years ago and uh, I just know how, you know, how big of a fan he would have been of me in terms of whatever I'm doing when I saw it, it was just, to me, it was it was 100% genuine. I don't think he even knew that somebody was taking a picture of him or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, that's what everybody's going to say because that's what everybody does because it's 2020. But they did name him the starter, though, and I did want to ask you just real quickly, did you know anybody that suffered the injury that he suffered, the, like, Bo Jackson hip injury? I'm not familiar with anybody outside of Bo who suffered something like that. And obviously our surgeons have come a long way. So it's it's great to see him back out there. It's going to be really interesting to see how he continues to develop. And I'm excited for him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's also crazy because the Dolphins are three and three. And Fitzpatrick, I mean, he threw two picks and he threw three TDs. But I think the Dolphins are just kind of like, you know, we're, we're trying to process towards our future. Yeah, and I think that's more where they're at now. Maybe they feel Tua has a good enough grasp because he's been with Fitz. I know Fitz has been tutoring probably as well, just knowing the type of guy Fitz is, and and they probably feel that it's time to at least get him some game rep. And I think this is more of the situation, unlike you're talking about with the 49ers, who are in a different place of their in their organization as far as building a team, building a championship, where you're not necessarily thinking about can we win a Super Bowl this year, where where those odds are probably astronomical for the Dolphins. And so you want to start grooming the guy, putting him in there, but knowing that you still got fists on the sideline just in case something happens to where you don't want to break his confidence. So I'm, I'm excited for him and definitely probably two in that game next week because normally I don't check out Miami Dolphin games. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're not going to talk NBA Finals because the Lakers won and Zoe and I both hate the Lakers. So on Twitter, <laughs> at 2Zs and OZ, 2 the number two, Z-S-A-N-D-O-C, on Twitter, One Man Gang 97 for Lorenzo, at uh, Real OC Sports for Sean O'Connell. I'm at Z-A-K Sports. All right, Zoe, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, yep, yeah, sounds good, brother. All right, Pippin.